you'd be in trouble if it was in French. But uh, it's supernatural, certainly. And um, yeah, Dave was praying that there would be something supernatural. And that's my prayer, too, because um, today's talk is about the supernatural. So, um, 2 Chronicles 5. 11 to 14. This is where the ark is brought into the temple. It's something I, I read a couple of weeks ago, actually, when I was leading one of the services. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a big bit of scripture for me at the moment. So, 2 Chronicles 5, 11 to 14. The priest then withdrew from the holy place all the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jaduthan, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. And they were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by the trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. We sang that, didn't we? His love endures forever. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it again. <laughs> then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Praise God, he's good. The glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. So in Old Testament times, the spirit of the Lord filled the temple. That's where we would find the glory of God. And the glory of God now, after Jesus and after Pentecost, is found where? In us. Maybe I don't need to do this sermon. You know it. Okay. <laughs> Tear this up. So the temple isn't a building anymore. The temple is you and me. That's amazing. I'm flabbergasted by that. I've read that countless times in the past, but if you actually engage that with your spirit, then that is literally quite a life-changing thing to grab hold of. It's an amazing fact. We've just taken communion. We've just, just finished with that. And um, Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Again, that's something that I've read so many times. But think about that. He remains in us. Remain in me and I will remain in you, he says elsewhere as well. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. And the presence of God specifically lives inside of your spirit. People have been saying things throughout the service which have given reference to this. If you've had a keen ear like I've had this morning because I'm thinking about this talk, then people are already expressing this throughout the service and, and what's been said. But I think it's true to say that often Christians are going to, uh, we're not calling them meetings now, are we? But we call well, whatever, services on Sunday morning. 
and they're trying to pull heaven down and they're trying to seek an experience that they can draw into themselves. But it's been said already this morning that the presence of God is in us. We're bringing the presence of God with us wherever we go. So that might be here, but it might be um, in the workplace. It could be wherever you choose to go. Specifically, your spirit, if you, you need kind of direction, is in your belly. It says that streams of living water will flow out of your belly. So if it helps to kind of picture where your spirit is, because sometimes we need something to grab hold of, then think of it in terms of your belly. So God is in heaven, he's on the throne, but he's also residing in us, he lives in us. That's amazing. He can do that, of course. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's ever-present. That's the God we serve. A mind-blowing God, one that plays with my conventional thinking. And you think, well, I've just got to stop a moment because it's not just through understanding that I grab hold of this, it's by engaging with my spirit. So we need to encounter God in our spirits first on the inside before we can perhaps go off and seek him elsewhere. I brought my pad with me, as you can see, my, my pad, not my iPad. <laughs> I've got an iPad, I thought about bringing it, but now I feel comfortable with paper. Praise the Lord, yeah. Yeah. You could just write on it, can't you? And you can... Super. So, I don't know how many times people are coming to church here. I mean, I know I've done it in the past. You're coming to church, you're looking to get something from the atmosphere. You're looking to receive something. But actually, we should be worshipping God before we come to church, and we should be bringing something to contribute to the atmosphere. And if that happened, we'd see a difference in our services. Some might call it revival, but we would see a difference. We would see something amazing. So you don't uh, take heaven down, drawing it in to allow it to touch the world. It's heaven inside of you which is drawn out, which touches the world. Hopefully you can see the difference. So this morning, I'm encouraging you to seek to live a supernatural lifestyle as a gateway for heaven to invade earth in this area, in Perryvale, in Greenford, Norfolk, wherever you're from. Whether or not you actually grab hold of this or understand it, I'm assuming everyone's a Christian here. Everyone's a Christian here, aren't they? Everyone's given their life to, to Jesus, yeah. Well, you can say with 100% certainty, well, certainly I can say with 100% certainty, you're spirit beings. So this can happen. It's staggering, isn't it? Someone seemingly so small and inconsequential, like me, like you, however you view yourself, maybe you don't view yourself that way, I don't know. But the God of the universe, of creation, of heaven, has his dwelling place in you. 
Hallelujah. Do you know what's more staggering than that? If it is more staggering, we can't really compare these things sometimes. But it's the unimaginable cost of being able to make this happen in fallen man. And of course, it's through the death of Jesus. That's why we worship him. It says of Jesus that he endured the cross, he scorned its shame for the joy set before him. It's not like he had to put anything right, of course, between himself, Jesus, and God the Father, but he was putting it right for us. And the joy that was set before him was you and I becoming like Jesus. Oh, someone give praise to Jesus. <laughs> Gee. Okay. So I don't know where you are with this. Um, for a long, long time, you know, uh, I, I was sat in church. I had all sorts of different ideas about what a soul was, what a spirit was. But a, a starting point might be, sorry, I don't have a fancy PowerPoint. As I say, that's my iPad. That's my... But a starting point is to imagine a diagram. You've all got an imagination. And hopefully you can imagine three circles. It might help to think of a smaller circle, maybe a saucer size. And then behind that, you've got a slightly larger circle. It could be a side plate. They're bigger than saucers, aren't they? You know. And then a dinner plate bigger than that. So we have three circles, one inside the other. And the nature of your being as a spirit being is that that inner circle can be represented as your spirit and then the middle circle could be your soul and then the larger circle maybe holding it all together is your body that's who you are at conversion it's your spirit which is born again again it's this in your belly that's who you really are you're made in the likeness of God, and God is a spirit. So he's created you as a spirit being. And my soul, come to, maybe I should describe what the soul is. My soul, which is my, sometimes referred to as my mind, my will, and my emotions, that's really just a reflection of who I am. My true self is my spirit being, but very often we're not seeing it that way. And um, if you read books about it, you'll... See, the other people might add your conscience, your reason, your imagination, maybe your choice in with your soul as well. So it's quite a complex thing. Yeah, hopefully it's clear what, what the body does. It's kind of carrying everything around. You, you see the body. You see the body in the natural. But to many people, especially non-Christians or people that don't have quite an understanding on this, it's just the body that people see. So when they see Andrew, they see this. You don't see me like this. The real me is my spirit inside of me. So the Bible refers to the distinction of body, soul, and spirit. If you want uh, Bible verses, of course, you can look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where Paul says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ spirit, soul, and body. And Hebrews 4.12, where the writer says, the word of God is living and active. I think there's one version which says, um, 
fast and quick or something like that. I, li I like the, 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 sharp, the quickness of it. It's living, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. So there are three separate things. In the natural, you just see my body, my old tent, showing signs of age. Bit of greyness around here, other things as well I won't mention. Um, but um, to be concerned of your spirit, you need to be involved with the supernatural, not just the natural. So science and um, a lot of what we see in the media, they'll tell you about your body, lots about your body, how it came about biologically, how it grows up, gets bigger, how it stays healthy, or sometimes how it gets sick and weak. Uh, I'd say that they don't always give you the full story of why bodies get um, sick and weak. There's a, a strong spiritual connection there in some instances as well. And um, psychologists and counsellors maybe and people in those sort of professions will tell you lots about your mind, your will, your emotions, all those things. You know, we have so many articles in papers and uh, TV and all the rest of it, don't we, um, regarding that stuff. You know, there's a whole industry regarding um, improving your mind and improving your body. But not many people outside will tell you about your spirit. In fact, if they're not Christians then don't listen to them because they're going to be peddling a load of stuff probably about false religions or occult stuff that we won't need to steer well clear of. 1 Corinthians 7.17 though says that he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So spiritual things often get misunderstood both outside and inside the church. Some of these things will sound strange, uncomfortable maybe, uh, maybe amusing, it's the flip side perhaps, amusing, scary. Um, some might be attracted to spiritual things for the wrong reasons as well. So if this is something that you're pursuing, make sure as a check that um, you have a love for Jesus and he's your first love because that's the starting point if you want to pursue a supernatural lifestyle. He's got to be our first love. I was just thinking this morning what non-Christians might think about some of this stuff and um, Emily had left some of her homework out on the side. She's got to do uh, for a, a summer project uh, a collage self-portrait of herself. Emily's um, in year six now or will be next year. So for a new teacher she has to has this, have this collage picture and then there's a series of describing words, uh, the words that describe her character that go around the outside, aren't there? You've done some of them. Um, I won't embarrass you, but there were words like kind and um, you know all the stuff that yeah we know Emily for, and she's quiet. Emily knows already that she shouldn't always listen to some of my suggestions, and maybe what you should do for Mrs. Cross is you should draw three circles. <laughs> and you should say, Mrs. Cross, I'm a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. And that is the true representation of who you are. Because Emily loves Jesus, and Emily is born again. And then some other describing words around that could be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
as she seeks to draw those out of her spirit. So we're different from non-Christians. I don't know about Mrs. Cross, if she's a Christian or not, but that might just completely phase her totally. So we're the temple now. I said that earlier. And the Old Testament temple had an outer court, an inner court, and inside the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelt. God likes doing things in threes, doesn't he? His very self is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he makes us spirit, soul, and body. We could view our bodies as our outer court, our soul as our inner court, and our spirits where the very presence of God lives as a holy of holies. Is that something you can grab hold of? Praise God. The wonderful thing is we don't have to make ourselves clean to get into that holy of holies because Jesus has done it for us. Amen. In fact, it would be impossible for us to do that, wouldn't it? There's no way we could do it. We wouldn't be able to go through all those rituals that the priests used to do. And even then, they, they couldn't um, enter the holy of holies every day. They had to do it specific times. I love this verse. It says in Hebrews 9:14, "How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so we may serve the living God?" It's the blood of Jesus. The kingdom of God is in us, in our spirits. And the realm of the kingdom of heaven is outside of us. And everything else that we can see around us, it might be um, the structures of the world, it might be um, other religions, philosophies, lifestyles, whatever it might be, it's worldly or it's demonically controlled. Enabling, sorry, embracing the kingdom of God inside you will enable you to transcend to the kingdom of God Sorry, the kingdom of heaven outside into the heavenly realms. I say that again. Embracing the kingdom of God inside you will enable you to transcend to the kingdom of heaven outside. What does that mean? I can come out with some stuff stood here. I'll explain a little bit in a moment or two, but basically we're talking about going into the realms of heaven, either with our spirits, with our souls, but even with our bodies, that can happen. It's in the Bible. Now you might say to me, okay, right, well, yeah, that's very good, I hear what you're saying, and I kind of understand it a little bit, but I just want to know God better, It's, uh, it's not really for me. Well, fine, but God is a spirit, and he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So you've basically got to build up your spirit, man, if you want to know God better. You might be saying, I just want to be a better Christian. I don't want to be doing the stuff that I'm doing, you know, that I know I shouldn't be doing. Well, without involving your spirit and the Holy Spirit who is in you, your efforts at best are going to be 
just your own works, soulish, self-centered, maybe religious. And I know that Jesus doesn't like religion. He told me. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's Tuesday, he told me. Okay. So I say, I, I think in the past struggled to some extent with some of this terminology. It's not necessarily understanding it. You can understand things intellectually. It's actually getting a grip or a handle on it and actually activating it and moving in it, and doing something with it. Someone said earlier, did you say we don't want to play church? I think he did. So don't try to rationalize things purely, or make intellectual sense out of it purely, although Understanding does have a strong importance here. We can't just sort of go off on some sort of fanciful thing, maybe. Um, we do need reasoning and understanding, but it's got to be coupled with a desire for Jesus, a desire for his presence, a desire to be with him. And it has to be activated with faith. I think um, some of the issues and some of the challenges we have is when we study the spirit, soul, and body nature and the relationship that we can have of his presence in our spirits. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, we discover that progress is made in a different way to how we might learn things in the natural. So let's say, for example, um, you've gone to France on holiday and you want to learn the French lingo. Um, and uh, you're starting to learn this new language from scratch, what, what do you do and, and, and how do you, you, you learn French? Well, you have to receive information from the outside and it has to come into you somehow. Of course, it goes into your brain, doesn't it, ultimately? And the way that you learn French is that you use your eyes to read words, use your ears, of course, to listen to people speak. That's a difficult bit. And then... You use your mouth and your tongue to come back at people with French. So the information is coming from the in, sorry, from the outside into you. So it's an inflow, if you like. But with things of the spirit, it's something on the inside which is operating outwards. I don't know if that makes sense to you. So it's looking on the inside where our spirit is. So we, we, we do need an awful lot of faith to be able to, well, not an awful lot, we, we need faith to, to activate this and to, to start. But as I say, um, a level of understanding is important. Uh, just one scripture to remind me of the importance of this, Romans 10, 17, consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So we, we, we've got to pair the two together. So when Adam was created, he was created as a spirit being. The breath of God was literally blown into him by Father God who created him. 
So spirit was blown into him, a life-giving spirit. <coughs> and before the fall, he could talk with God, he could hear his footsteps in the garden, he could fellowship with God in Eden. And Adam would have done this, I believe, engaging his spirit as well as with his, his body and his soul. It's his whole person was engaging with God. If he was only seeing God in the natural, like I'm seeing your bodies here, he'd have had to have waited for Jesus to come along because Jesus was God incarnate, the Word who became flesh and uh, was in a, a physical body. <coughs> However, it, all this um, ability that Adam had was, of course, lost in the fall through his disobedience. And after the fall, um, God placed cherubim, didn't he? and a flaming sword which is flashing to and fro, back and forth, um, so that he can get back into the garden. And Adam's fellowship with God was lost. He wasn't able to commune with him as, a, as he had done before. But it was one back at Calvary. That's the good news, isn't it? Jesus endured the cross and its shame for the joy set before him, a joy of making him like us. God is a spirit and we're spirits, so now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus. We can enter the heavenly realms by engaging our spirits, also our souls, and the natural conclusion is actually we can take our bodies with us as well. I haven't actually got there yet doing that. But certainly my spirit and my soul, I believe, has been in heavenly places. I've met with Jesus in heavenly places. He's spoken to me, and it's been in my soul. My body remained in the bedroom where I was praying but my soul and spirit was with Jesus in heavenly places. So what's going to happen when I'm able to take my body with me <laughs> into heavenly places? That's weird, isn't it? Maybe some of you are hearing this sort of stuff for the first time, I don't know. But in the Bible, Enoch walked with God, didn't he? And then he was no more. Elijah went off in a flaming chariot. Wait. <laughs> Jesus walked through crowds. I used to think, oh, well, he just kind of found his way through. No, he walked through crowds of people. And Philip was transported in the spirit as well. Not, well, I don't know, he might have been. I spoke too bad But... Philip in the Bible, when he spoke to the um, Ethiopian eunuch afterwards, um, the spirit, he didn't see him. Uh, the, the, the eunuch didn't see Philip anymore because the spirit had taken him away. So the eunuch would have seen him in his body and then all of a sudden he doesn't see him because the spirit of God has taken Philip away. So it happens. Oh, it's just in the Bible. It doesn't happen nowadays. It does. If you believe the testimonies that people have, I've heard a number of stories about this, and of course, the more you get interested in it, the more 
your hair. And um, some of them are really quite bizarre, but um, I've got two to share with you. One um, is quite an old one. I probably said it before, maybe. Uh, and another one is a newer one that I picked up recently. Um, a swig of water. The older one was um, this guy. He, he's a Christian. Um, he, he's in ministry, some form or another. And uh, he, he needs to take a flight to another country. And he doesn't have the, the wherewithal to do that. In other words, he doesn't have a ticket. He doesn't have a boarding pass. He doesn't have anything. So he prays to God. He needs to go to this other country. And he turns up at the airport. And um, he's expecting God in, in faith to come through for him. Hallelujah. Of course he does. It comes through for him. But how does he do it? Well, he, he stood in line. He's trusting in God. He's thinking, okay, God, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to speak to this person behind uh, the airline counter um, any moment now because there's only a few people in front of me. And now I trust you to, to get me where I need to go. And he gets nearer and nearer and nearer. And eventually he arrives at the check-in desk and uh, it says he wants to get to wherever it is. I can't remember exactly where the location is. And the person behind the check-in desk is, no ticket, no boarding pass, sorry, you can't come. So does he lose heart? Does he go home? No, he doesn't. He goes back, he continues to seek God. And of all things, God tells him to go into the toilet. In the airport, have you heard this one? No. Only a bit of it. A bit of it, right. So he goes into the toilet and God tells him to go into the cubicle. So he goes into the cubicle. Now, when I first heard this story, I thought, ah, oh, yeah, there's the plane ticket. It's on the toilet, isn't it? Ta-da! <laughs> Miraculously there. Um, but no. God tells him to leave the cubicle. So he leaves the cubicle, goes out the toilet, and he discovers he's in the destination that he needs to get to. Praise God. So he's transported in the spirit from one place to the other. He didn't need an airline. That's your next mission. <laughs> who's going? Who, who's, it would save a tremendous amount of money. Who's going to Sri Lanka? Yeah, who, who needs a ticket? You don't need a ticket. <laughs> I heard this one on, on YouTube. Um, there's a guy called Ian Clayton. I'm listening to a lot, a lot of his stuff. Has anyone heard of him? This guy from New Zealand, yeah, I mentioned him to you, didn't I? Yeah, he does lots of this stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it just reminded me of a story that he, he gave as well, but uh, I'll tell the... the he, he was giving all these amazing stories of stuff that he'd done, Ian Clayton, this New Zealand guy, and, and things that... places that God had taken him and amazing stuff. He said, but it's not just me. And he asked this lady to come up out of the audience, and praise God, she was from Britain, she wasn't from, you know, somewhere else. Because um, there's always people overseas that are doing this stuff, isn't it? But she was from Britain. And she said, yeah, I had this fantastic um, experience with God. She was doing the washing up of all things. And she was just loving on Jesus and the presence which is inside of her. I don't think this was the first time that she'd done it, but she was doing it in this particular instance and she was allowing her soul and her spirit to be with the presence of God which dwells inside of her, in her spirit. And not known to her, the effect that this had on her body was that part of it 
was becoming transparent or semi-translucent, I think they were saying. So it kind of like her body's going, you know, almost like Enoch, he was walking along and then he was no more. So she was doing this in the kitchen, doing the washing up. And the thing that drawed her back out of this experience was that her mum came in and screamed. <laughs> What's happening? So she, you know, so she kind of came out of it. But I mean, that was just an amazing story. I mean, it sort of got my imagination going. It really did. Hopefully it does you too. So what she was doing as a born-again believer with a spirit, home to the glory of God, the presence of God in her, was she was engaging her soul and her mind, her will and emotions, everything, and her body started to move into the kingdom of heaven, which is outside. But as said already, the place to start is with laying hold of the presence in you. How many times have we been praying? So, God, come down, come down, come down. You've been waiting there. And all along, he was here. The best place to start, loving Jesus, seeking Jesus, desiring Jesus. He's the reason why you should be doing any of this. <coughs> Temptation for me, certainly in the past, is, oh, I just want that fantastic experience. That fantastic experience comes when we're loving Jesus and we're focusing on him. Yeah. So sometimes people like lists in sermons, don't they? I'm almost um, finished. Don't have my time's up. But um, Seven things that you can do to build up your spirit man, maybe get yourself going, because this is a massive area. And I'm not even scraped the surface. There are so many books and things on YouTube and wherever it is you get your information from about the spirit realm and God in you. But the first thing to do is to recognise that you're a spirit being. I mean, how many times do we do that? As I said, you know, we're just looking at the person in front of us. And to someone who misses that, who can't even see that you're a spirit being or recognise to any extent that you are, building up your spirit might seem a bit of a waste of time or a dumb thing to do. So we need the faith to know that we're spirit beings. And if, if your faith and trust is in the word of God, then go to the word of God because it tells you quite clearly that God is a spirit and you're a spirit. Number two, spend time with him, quality time with him. He loves it. I'm learning that so much. He loves us going to him. I can't believe this has come so late, but yeah, he loves us going to him. Bill Johnson always says, he's very fond of saying that God is in a good mood. 
So it's not like you're kind of um, knocking at the door and you're expecting a grumpy old dad to say, go away, I'm busy. <laughs> go and play with your toys. He actually likes us. We know he loves us, but he likes us as well. And he wants to be with us. He desires our company. So spending time with him, of course, may be an obvious statement, but you've got to put yourself in a place where you can spend time with him. And our lives are so busy, aren't they? In Habakkuk, it says that I will look to see what he will say to me. I will, sorry, start again. Um, I will stand at my watch station and station myself on the ramparts, I will look to see what he will say to me. So put yourself in a place, Habakkuk was going to the ramparts to find out what God was gonna to say to him. Go to a quiet place in your house or wherever it is. Number three is that, yeah, meditate on God's word. That one was gonna come along, wasn't it? Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is God-breathed. This is a, alive, isn't it? This is some um, sharper than any two-edged sword. Along with the word, I mean, um, good authors, of course, always using the word, but um, people I, I've discovered are worth reading re regarding you, your, your nature as a spirit being with a soul and a body. Good people to read would be Kenneth Hagen, uh, Neil Anderson, um, hey, Derek Prince, of course, can't get away from him. Ian Clayton, I've already mentioned him. Um, and he's got lots of stuff on YouTube. And have you heard of a guy called Mike Parsons? He's from your neck of the woods in Barnstable. No, he's English. He's doing this stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devon. Yeah. And number four, worship in spirit and truth. We were doing that this morning, weren't we? Entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts of praise. Worship him at home as well. Before you come here, bring something with you, as I said earlier, to contribute to the worship. It shouldn't be that our only time of worship with God is on Sunday morning and we're looking to get something from it. That shouldn't be the case. Five would be fellowshipping with one another, and specifically with this, sharing with people. And it's your testimony that you might give other people that will build faith in them. You have to be a bit careful, though, sometimes, because yeah, people might misunderstand you, so there'd be a bit of a caution on some of these things. Make sure that, that someone kind of has got a handle or a grip on what you're saying. I don't think Emily should put that thing on her homework with a spirit being and with a soul. I don't know where Mrs. Cross is. Okay. And then we can pray in tongues, number six. That's so important. Does everyone know how to pray in tongues? Can everyone pray in tongues? Uh, I'm not going to ask people to put their hands up. That would be maybe embarrassing. I don't know. 
But that's something that you should seek to do. You know, if you, if you want to pursue the supernatural, tongues builds up your spirit man inside you. And if this isn't something which you're recognizing and um, you're not, not looking at the, in your spirit man, you're not, not looking into you for the kingdom of God, you're looking for it elsewhere, then praying in tongues might just be one of those things that Christians do. Hey, it's great, you know, they can pray in tongues, but I don't need it. You don't need it for your salvation, but you need it for your spirit man. It's so important, but we don't see it with a rational understanding why it's so important. Our mind in our soul was praying in tongues. It, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean a great deal. But when we're engaging our spirit man in this, it's tremendous. It builds up spiritual muscles. We know how to build up muscles in our body in the natural sense. We should be building up spiritual muscles through praying in tongues. This guy, Mike Parsons, that I was telling you about, he's got this terrific thing on his, one of his YouTube um, videos. He does this exercise with people where he gets people to pray in tongues, but he also says, yeah, you can pray in tongues in your head inside. You know, you can do that. You can pray inside as well as with your mouth. That's so liberating because you can do other things whilst you're speaking in tongues in your head. I didn't really know that before. Don't, you probably all knew that, didn't you? But I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought, you know, when I was praying in tongues, if I was doing something else, it'd be sugar, you know, as you're going along, and maybe under your breath, but it can just be in your head. And that's liberating because you can be talking and also doing it. Multitasking. Oh. <laughs> I find this quite hard because his exercises says, okay, well, read, what, which way around does it go? He says, um, read Psalm 23 in your head, but be praying in tongues out loud. That's quite difficult. But then the flip side is, is you read Psalm 23 out loud, but you're praying in tongues in your head. So, you know, you're, 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 you're doing all these things at the same time. It's, uh, it's amazing. That's something I've got to practice. And then lastly, speak out the word. Statements of truth about yourself. You know, this simple thing that I'm a spirit being. We're not human beings. You don't call yourself a human being. You're a spirit being. You have a soul, you live in a body. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places, saved by the grace of God through faith, and there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray, but you're going to pray as well, okay? So I've got a, pray, a prayer that I've, I've taken from a book. It's done a, a lot for me, this prayer. But before 
I pray it, and of course you can agree to it with a mighty amen. Let's pray in tongues. And before we pray in tongues, we'll all have our eyes closed. And if people want to receive the gift of tongues, just ask Holy Spirit. I'll pray now. We'll start speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, and just join in. Now, to start speaking in tongues, you have to engage your spirit and look inside yourself, but you've also got to open your mouth. And God's not going to open your jaw up and down and get you speaking. He's not going to move your tongue. You have to do that yourself. You have to do that in faith. But you have to trust in faith because you're going to ask in faith that what comes out is from God. And any thought of disbelief that it's just you or it's someone else, well, you can just say, no, it's, it's from God. Just get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that we are spirit beings, that you're, you're a spirit, Lord God. Father, you're a spirit. And you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've made us alive through your Holy Spirit. It's the same spirit in us that raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. He resides in us because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and for those that are seeking the gift of tongues and want to speak in tongues, I pray, Lord, that you would enable that and that would be activated now in the name of Jesus. I just encourage you that the gift of tongues will come to those that desire it. It will come undoubtedly 
to those that desire it and have Jesus as their saviour. Praise God. Okay, well, maybe if someone was um, speaking in tongues for the first time, then um, share it with someone. I'd, I'd be delighted, over the moon, if you shared it with me. And share your experiences with people as well, as I said earlier, but a big word of caution as to where that goes. But, yeah, please share stuff with, with me. I am so interested in this and so desire it. Um, yeah. That's um, uh, uh, one prayer to, to close on you. Yeah, as I say, this is from a, a book. It's from the, the Realms of the Kingdom by Ian Clayton. It's very quick. Lord, I chase after your presence. Father, today I take hold of my spirit and my soul and I begin to entwine them around your presence inside of me. Father, I take them and I begin to embrace your glory and your presence. I lock into it today and embrace your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, do take up Andrew's offer if. Uh, some of the things that he shared 